Man, I'm so glad you guys came back tonight. I guarantee you tonight's your night. You're going to be blessed exceedingly, abundantly, beyond you could ever imagine. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Brother Ivan, come on up. All right. Hey. <laughs> great, great, great night. Beautiful already. Praise the Lord. Don't you love that singing? Mm, man, I can just listen to it all night. I just throw you people out of here and just stay here by myself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, my beautiful daughter Kendra, one of the great prophets and preachers of the world, I wish I was like you. Well, because you are be, just you know <laughs> really amazing. I guess this is when I walk up, right? Thank you, Pop. Well, I was going to talk more. Oh, thank say, you. I was going to say more thank nice you, things you. about you. Thank you. <laughs> She's my friend. Kendra has been one of those children that you can't get away with anything because she sees through everything. She's a plastic detector. So behold the beauty of the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Papa. <laughs> I think that's a good thing, right? Plastic detector, I'll take it. Hello, everyone. How are you? Doing good? We are doing so good. I am so happy to be here. We love coming to the water hole for the world, Living Waters Church. Such an amazing name, right? I'm picky about church names. They're either too modern or too old-fashioned for me most of the time, but Living Waters, that never gets old. That's amazing, right? That's who Jesus is to us. So what a wonderful thing to proclaim every time. I'm going to Living Waters every week. How wonderful is that? Love it. And I really wanted to say, you know, my dad said something, or Pastor Robert actually said something this morning about how my dad could be in any church, but he chooses to be here. And, you know, something about that is that I want you guys to know is that God doesn't look on the outside. He doesn't look at, oh, this is in the middle of the stick somewhere in Texas with, you know, like, he, he, he looks at the hearts of people. And if he can sl slay hundreds of thousands with 300 with Gideon, then he certainly can do anything with a believing heart today, because now we have the Holy Spirit and we have Jesus. And he has done an amazing work through this church, through your pastors. And I know you don't only bless our ministry, but you bless so many others, including each other, including your community. But you guys truly are a pillar in our ministry. I don't know what we would do without y'all. Truly, right? That's right. And I'm not going to cry because I don't do that. <laughs> but <laughs> 30 seconds in, I have a timer. That was a minute and a half. I'm doing good. <laughs> no, but um, really, we are so grateful for you guys. And we're so grateful for your pastors, Robert and Miss Laura. We love them so much. And you know, Rob, I remember meeting Robert. I met Keitha, Robert, Miss Tracy, wherever she, oh, there she is. Um, when I was 16, we went on, a, and Dwayne and his son, Chad, hello, there's his wifey there, huh? And Judy, yeah, yeah, and Judy. Um, and it was, it was such a cool, uh, and Joe, Joe was there too. I'm remembering all the people that were there. But um, I was just 16, and I remember the first time I met Pastor Robert, and he was a country man with a hat and a, everything, that comes with that, and I just fell in love with them straight away and just thought, these are my people. This is what I'm talking about. 
And I'm so glad that that relationship worked out between him and my dad and that we've been able to be a part of what's going on here. And you guys have been able to be a part of our lives that came to my wedding. Pastor Robert and his wife prayed over us. And I, I watched that video. Craig and I watch it every anniversary. And we listen to the words that he spoke. And I'll always remember that he said, when God adds to you, he adds no bitterness to it. And that's what we have prayed over and over in our marriage, that what God adds to us, we would know because there's no bitterness in it, whether it's wealth or children or ministry opportunities, that it would just, it's always been something that we test things by. And that's from that man, the anointing on his life. Praise the Lord. So I really feel like God gave me a word today for what, whatever may be happening in your lives. I believe this is going to speak to it. And something that I'm sure we all have noticed in our country, in our culture, in this world, is that we have a crisis of cowardice. Amen. There would not even be the question of whether you could kill babies after they're born if there wasn't a lot of people keeping their mouths shut when we shouldn't be. Amen. And so many other things, of course. And sometimes life can just be intimidating. Sometimes the enemy can truly intimidate us. Sometimes what's inside of us can intimidate us, right? We can be so afraid of the darkness that we see inside of ourselves or the weakness that we have experienced within ourselves, how we've let our own selves down, that we can just feel small and pull back. But God really has been walking me through this and out of this in myself, in my own life, where these last few years have been difficult in a way that I've never experienced, especially with health for myself, and I'm getting better in Jesus' name. But a lot has gone on that I never expected, and I found myself, you know, like my dad said, she, she's a plastic detector, like he's always said, she's the honest child, and I used to be so, or I am, but there was a time here where I felt like I'd lost that clarity, that clear thinkingness that comes with boldness, that comes with confidence, that comes with strength of hearing God's voice, and sometimes life can knock you around to the point where you're like, do I know the Holy Spirit? Do I know what to do? Am I an adult even? These children are depending on me, and we can just start to question everything, right? And God just has been speaking and speaking to me about this, about that spirit of bravery, about that warrior rising up again, and I want to share that with y'all. Are you down? Okay. This is what it says in Exodus 13. I couldn't believe when I read this. Have you guys ever read the Bible and been like, it says that? I've read that before. That can't be possibly what it says. Well, I couldn't believe it. But this is talking about the children of Israel leaving Egypt. And it says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. What an incredible verse. I was like, he, he didn't take them the shortest route because he saw in their hearts, if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to captivity. Instead, he had to take them to the Red Sea, where then they were caught between a sea and Pharaoh's armies. They actually got trapped in a position of of cowardice, a position of being intimidated. He knew that because they had lived as slaves for so long, with masters for so long, being told what to do for so long, that when it came down to it, even though they left in the millions, they were millions strong. It said 600,000 men plus women and children. And how many know the reason why they were so threatened by the Hebrews was because how many babies they had. Those women were legit. But they left strong, right? <laughs> they left strong. But still, just to face some stinking old Philistines, God was like, nope, we got to go around. And of course, he ended up delivering them. But when I first read that, especially how it ends, the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. 
It's like God saying they went up with their armor, they went up with their weapons, they went up with their swords, they went up saying, God, take us anywhere, do anything with me. But he saw their heart, and that if he had taken them to a true battle, they would have returned back to their bondage. And this convicted me so much when I read it. I was like, God, I am praying for freedom. I am praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for you to do a quick work. But God saw in my heart that if he was to really take me through what that would require, I would turn back. How many of us find ourselves in those situations where we're like, God, please deliver me. Please bring us this breakthrough. Please take us through this. I'm so tired of dealing with that. We're going around the same mountain. And God's like, I have the shortest path. I have the shortest way. You even have the weapons and the armor. You know your word. You go to church. You have friends that will encourage you and pray with you. But there's something in our heart that faints at the sight of trouble. There's something in our heart that grows weary when we think there may be a battle ahead that gets intimidated. And I believe tonight... And through the word that my dad even shared this morning that he'll finish tonight, that through that power of filling yourself with the knowledge of Jesus, who is the word of God, that holds everything together, everything together is held by Jesus. There is nothing more important, nothing more powerful than Jesus himself. And he's yours. I'm going to jump over the... Isn't that incredible? I mean, think about it. There is just nothing that we are without, and yet we can feel so empty. I've been there. We can feel so empty. We can wake up and feel like, God, I've got nothing. And he's like, but you have me. I'm sure sometimes he feels like, <laughs> like so many people that, you know, that we've felt like, God, why don't they love me? Why don't they, you know, and we get so heartbroken by the way people treat us. Think about God. My gosh. He's perfect. He's loved us perfectly. He's given Jesus to us completely. And you know why Jesus did it all? was because he wanted you. He wanted me. It was worth it to him, not just to die for us, but to live for us and to spend eternity living for us. You know what he's doing right now? Talking about you to God, defending you to God. You have a constant accuser and you have a constant defendant, and his name is Jesus. And he chooses that because of how much he loves you. What is there to be afraid of? Amen? Yet we are. So I'm going to walk you out of it tonight, okay? Woohoo! I like that. Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> in Numbers 14:33, here's the thing that really got me, and I was like, okay, well, this is over in my life. I'm not putting up with it anymore. It says that this is Moses talking to the people, and he's recounting to them what happened when the when they sent the the spies to the promised land. So it only took them a little while to get to the promised land the first time. Did y'all realize that? It took them just not very long, right, to get there the first time. And they sent in the spies, and the spies said, except for two, of course, Joshua and Caleb, the heroes. They, they said, no, there's too many giants. There's too many armies against us. There's no way we can defeat them. We don't have enough people. We're too weak. Joshua and Caleb, of course, brought the right, right answer, but the people listened to the worriers, listened to the doubters. And this is what happened. It says that they will have to stay in the wilderness. And God said, I will make you stay in the wilderness a year for every day that those spies were in that land. So 40 years you'll have to stay in the wilderness. It says, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Wow. And when I read, I was like, my children would suffer? No way. <laughs> There's no way. 
And that is what is at risk, the generations of church and believers. We are in this situation today in our culture, in America, in our modern-day society, in our schools, in our music, in our movies, in everything. We're in it today because the generations got weaker. They got more afraid. They got more intimidated. They got shut out and quieted. And, oh, I don't want to look this way, and I don't want to look that way, and I don't want to look sexist, and I don't want to look like I'm not up for anybody to be feel loved and I don't want to come across like the, I, I don't want to be accused right how many of us just I don't want to be accused of that I don't want to be accused of this where you're going to be accused you're going to be thought wrong of people are going to misunderstand you and guess what that's a good thing that's actually confirmation you're doing the right thing amen that's like oh I'm on the right path people don't like me Woo! people don't agree with me I must be right right Amen. Isn't that awesome? It's so great when you finally realize it's right to be wrong. That's an awesome feeling. You want to be right to the right people, but you want to be wrong to most people. You want most people to feel like this isn't, they're they're intolerant or not that we would ever be ugly or mean or, or not loving. Of course, Jesus was completely loving and God is loving, but Jesus said, come with me, sin no more, sin no more, and you can be made whole. I'm, he may heal their body. Many times he healed their bodies. But then he said, sin no more and you will be made whole. Because healing isn't just, that. that's not all he has for us. Right? Salvation isn't all he has for us. Yeah, we'll make it to heaven, but he wants wholeness for us. And that takes bravery. That takes commitment. And if we're going to give that away to this world, we're going to give it away to our children, to our grandchildren. Think of your babies, and if you don't have children, think about yourself when you were a child. Think about how much you missed out on because there wasn't somebody in your life to point you to Jesus. Somebody in your life that would stand in the gap and say, no, you can't treat that child that way. Somebody who wouldn't stand up for the orphans and the widows. I mean, Susie has that testimony because no one spoke up for her when she was small until she came to us. Amen? But we are not the kind that shrink back. We are not the children of Israel, not for one more day in our lives. Will we say, my children will pay for my weakness, not for one more moment. My kids will inherit bravery. They will inherit confidence. They will inherit conviction. They will inherit boldness. They will feel comfortable being alone. They will feel comfortable being the only voice. They will feel comfortable being the odd man out. They'll feel comfortable being the true self that God made them to be. That will be their most comfortable place. And when they begin to feel like, wait a second, I'm just blending in. They'll feel weird. Amen. They'll feel weird. Already, Tate will tell you, he hangs out with people, he hangs out with friends, and he's like, wait a second, that's not right. That's not how we speak to each other. That's not how we talk to each other. That's not what we do. And he's always so faithful to tell me, or people, he stood up to bullies, man. He doesn't go to school, he's homeschooled, but even in children's church, there's some rude stinker pots, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's some rude stinker pots and he'll have to stand up for kids multiple times and then they turn it on him and he just stands right back up to them and he tells the teacher and he does what he has to do and then we pray about him we forgive those stinker pots it's the best word I can think of that isn't offensive because <laughs> they are children so we don't hold it against them but we kind of do we, we pray about that as a parent, too. I remember, the side note, I remember the first time a kid pushed Tate when he was like two and a half, and Lord have mercy. I'm glad there was like 100 feet between me and that child, because it would have been over. And then I'd be in jail with Robert and my dad. But <laughs> praise the Lord. 
<laughs> we have the Holy Spirit to distance us a little bit. But in Hebrews 12.1, I love these verses. Hebrews 12.1 through 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, I love that word, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Isn't that beautiful? So not only do we have the generations to come that are leaning on us to be brave, believing for us to be in command of what the enemy tries to bring against us, but we have all those that came before us, right? And Texas is amazing about that. It's a one patriotic state, amen? I love Texas. This is where I was born, raised. Yes, forever I'll be a Texan. And I love it. I love the patriotism. I love that it's God and country and family, and that's what it's about. I love that. And the reason why it's that way is because we've never forgotten here. We've never forgotten what it costs to become an independent country, what it costs to have the freedom of expression of our faith, what it costs to even have the right to bear arms. Amen. I'm down with that. Woo. But we don't forget. We don't forget the price that freedom isn't free, that what God purchased for us wasn't just some flippant thing that we can just move on and say, oh, that's nice. I'll put it in my wallet and move on. But instead, we say we recognize and we cherish those who went before us, who in the chapters before it list the things that they went through. People sawed in two, people living in caves, going around in sheepskins and goatskins. It says people who the world was not worthy of. They went before us, and now they're watching us, cheering us on. So when you have the enemy come against you and the hordes of hell come against you and start to whisper to you and start to try and intimidate you and then people voice those same voices and you hear it on the outside and you hear it on the inside, you just remember the billions of people in heaven, the billions that are be gone before you and said, we lasted, so can you. We lasted, so can you. Plus you have the Holy Spirit. Coming alongside you, your comforter, your counselor, rebuking the enemy on your behalf. And that's what is so important to remember is that we truly are never alone. And that God, while, while blessed are the meek, right? Blessed are the meek. Yes, we I'm lower my voice and be meek. Blessed are the meek. But God rewards and promotes warriors. Look at the word. Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He wasn't just the lamb. He was the lion. And when he comes back, that ain't no joke. Have y'all read your Bibles? Are you kidding me? I mean, fire and horses and, oh, it's amazing. He's coming back and he ain't kidding. And he's coming back for us. He's coming back for a bride that is perfected and cleansed. How beautiful. How's that going to happen unless there's some purifying that goes on? And that only happens through heat and pressure. So we have to embrace it. We embrace it and we say, God, I'll be your David. I'll be your Caleb. I'll be your Deborah. I'll be your Rahab. I'll be your Mary. I'll be your Joshua. I will not back down in the face of armies that are bigger than anything I could imagine. Never, not once. And this is the thing that the devil does. He accuses you. He intimidates you. He wants to cause confusion. There's a verse in the Bible that says where there's confusion, every evil thing is at work. Because what does confusion cause? Doubt, mistrust wondering. It's exactly what the enemy came and did in the garden with Eve. Well, do you, are you sure God meant that? Are you sure that's what he said? Maybe he really meant this. Maybe he was doing it for that reason. Maybe he's just trying to keep you from being like him. Then she gets confused, and well, now what was so solid becomes wishy-washy. And if you let confusion in, 
That's why it's so important to have things. Like I mentioned, like what Brother Robert said at our wedding, this is how you know if it's from God. Is there bitterness attached to it? You have to have those words to stand on where you measure things. Have a high standard for your life. Have a clear standard. Amen? All right, Deuteronomy 9. I don't want to take too long here. My pops has got to get up. This is when you know. Just go longer. We don't need to hear Ivan. No? No. But in Deuteronomy, Lord, cover me there. But Deuteronomy 9, verse 1. This is the promise on the other side. It says, Hear, Israel, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossess nations greater and stronger than you with large cities that have walls up to the sky. The people are strong and tall Anakites. Those are the people that they were intimidated before by. You know about them and have heard it said, Who can stand up against the Anakites? But be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. He will destroy them. He will subdue them before you, and you will drive them out and annihilate them quickly as the Lord has promised you. Quickly as the Lord has promised you. You will annihilate them. I love the word, annihilate. Annihilate them. Has anyone had an enemy you needed annihilated? Yes. People, yes, (laughs) we have enemies we need annihilated. Craig and I are believing for things we need annihilated. We need debt annihilated, amen. We need wayward children annihilated. We need curses over our bodies and sickness annihilated. It has no place. God, send that devouring fire that we would be blessed in everything we do, that, that it would bring glory to your name, that we would be so prosperous and so wondrous in the land that people would say, I want to be like them, that we wouldn't go around creeping and crawling and begging and hoping and wishing and wanting, and our story would be one of, well, someday God might until we're in the grave, but God has and God is. That is our story. That is our testimony. Those same people, those same people that they were intimidated by that kept them out of the promised land were their ticket to the promised land in their future. Isn't that amazing? That same thing that you may feel like has disqualified you from the promise, that is your pass into the promise when you believe with God that you can have total victory over it. I love how it says they have large cities. They're stronger than you. They're greater than you. Their walls look like they're up to the sky. You can't even see the top of the problem. You don't even see how it's possible to get over it. You can't build a ladder that high. You can't work it out in your mind. Where are we going to get that money from? It's impossible. There's no way. It just doesn't add up. It's not going to happen. That means God has to get involved. Isn't that great news? God has to get involved. And when God gets involved, whoa, Nelly. We're talking about resurrection power. We're talking about create the world power. We're talking about breathe life into dead bones power, valleys of dead bones. He's not just like, well, I can do one or I can do two. No, no. He does armies and armies, bones people. Isn't that crazy? I keep saying people. I don't know. Y'all got me going like, cool. Never say that usually. Brothers and sisters. But I'm telling you what, he is unintimidated. Whatever it may be, you may feel like my life is just a valley of bones. My life is just a tomb. My life is just dirty, rotten rags. That's all I can bring him. That's all he wants. That's all. Bring what you have. The greatest thing you can give to God is what 
you believe is the dirtiest thing, what you believe is the most unholy thing. That's the thing he wants. That's what Jesus came for. It gives a purpose. Listen, if you don't take anything else away, remember this. Your weakness validates Jesus' price. Your pain, your loss, your sin given to God tells Jesus it was worth it. You needed to do that. The moment we start to try and do it ourselves and say, okay, I'll get this all together, I'll get this all fixed up, and then I'll go to God because then that will be easier. I won't hurt him as much, and I won't be such a a disappointment. Jesus is like, well, what was the point of me? Why did I go through all of that if you can just do it yourself? What's the point of me? But when we say, Jesus, I can't do any of it, he's like, yes, it was worth it, all those stripes, that crown of thorns, that beating, that that total feeling of aloneness where even God himself turned his back on me and all of those that I had loved turned their backs on me and those that had laid down the palm branches just days before left me alone. It was worth it. I actually needed to do it. We validate his sacrifice. Love him by being broken. Love him by falling short. Love him by giving him your weakness. Amen. Let's stop striving. And then the enemy has nothing to beat you up with. The enemy actually has nothing to intimidate you with because he says, you know what? You have an addiction. You're like, praise God, I do. And I'm giving it to Jesus. You can't use that against me. That don't make me feel bad. I'm just making Jesus feel better. Amen? I'm partnering with him. It brings me closer to him. It makes me more attached to him. He says, well, you're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to be free financially. Well, you don't know me, and you don't know the one that I serve, and you don't know what's in his pockets, and you don't know how much he wants to bless me, and this just means I have to seek him every day, and that's the opposite of what you want, devil, so you can go eat it. Amen? (laughs) Keep reminding me, devil. Keep reminding me. Keep telling me what's wrong. Keep telling me so that I'll go to Jesus even more. See, he's not very smart, the devil. He's not very smart. He doesn't realize that when he starts accusing someone who believes in Jesus truly and fully, that all he's doing is destroying his plans. He's not not increasing them. He's not making more territory in your life. And here's the thing. If you aren't taking territory, then you're wandering. That is what we were made to do. We are territory takers. That is what we were created for. He didn't just bring us out of Egypt to wander. And be like, okay, now you're not being whipped. Now you're not going to hell. Now you don't have masters over you. Now you just wander. No, we are territory takers because guess what? We were born into wartime. We were born into wartime. We may live in America where we haven't had any kind of perpetrations of enemies on our soil since 9-11 and before that since the Civil War, I think. But in reality, we don't live in this world. We're of the kingdom of heaven. And we were born... Nobody noticed that. We were born into war. I said five minutes. It was, I said it five minutes short. <clears throat> we were born. <laughs> we were born into wartime, not peacetime. And this is all. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up, okay? But this is something that's important. I've got to look for this man's name. This changed my life. When when I was first getting my concealed carry permit, I was watching all these videos and DVDs. And there's a man named Rob Pincus. Anyone know who Rob Pincus is? He's a all right. He's an ICE instructor, West Point psychology and military science professor. He's a lieutenant colonel. He wrote on, cam- on combat, on killing. Anyway, he's awesome. He's legit. And something that he t- teaches in these is the people who get PTSD, almost always, the difference between soldiers who go to war and get PTSD and those who don't, 
are the ones who go to war without having mentally rehearsed what they were going to see and what was going to happen to them. They went through the same trainings. They went through everything the same. But in their minds, it was a shock. It was like, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting to see that. Where the ones who don't, who just stay resilient in their minds, are the ones who rehearsed it over and over. And he tells the story of a policewoman who ends up, short story, long story short, ends up uh, cornered in a garage by three criminals. She ends up shot in all of her limbs multiple times. She had a bulletproof vest on multiple times, but she, and she's right-handed. She lost her right arm capabilities early on, both of her legs. She's, she's sitting there in the garage, and she ends up taking out all three of them in the face of all of that. And she recovers and goes right back to work, no problems. And she said the reason why she could do that, the reason why she could think so clearly, the reason why she wasn't traumatized and terrified was because she said, I expected it to happen. I expected it to happen. This is what I do for a living. I expected it. And the problem with us so many times as Christians is we think we get saved into heaven. <laughs> You're not in heaven. I don't know if you noticed. Those love handles don't exist in heaven, right? <laughs> You're not in heaven yet. We are in war every day. You wake up to bombs going off. You wake up to bullets being whizzing past your head, the chi your children. You wake up to having to fortify yourself, put on your armor every day, not just carry your weapons to look cool and pretty, but actually to use. You have to train with those weapons, know how to pull down darkness. And here's the thing that we forget. Because we were born into war, we're not waiting for God to defeat the enemy. He already did. He already defeated the devil on the cross. What he says is, I gave you the authority now to rebuke the enemy. You have it. So we pray, God, I just remove the enemy from my life. God, infiltrate this situation. God, God, God. And he's like, I did it. Now I've told you to take your authority. So what, who you should be talking to is the devil thanking God for the authority and rebuking the devil in your life, rebuking the devil over your children. I have walked my driveway so many times rebuking the enemy off of our property. I've walked through every room. We anoint our house multiple times a year with oil, rebuking the enemy. Anytime our babies have a bad dream, which is rare, praise the Lord, but anytime something like that happens, anytime we feel strife in our home, like, man, you're just annoying me. Although, Craig, you know. But no. <laughs> but we pray. We rebuke the enemy. We have one. We have an enemy. Amen. So expect it and you won't be shocked. Expect it and you'll be found ready for it. Expect it and you can't be intimidated by it or taken out by it. The devil hates you. You are allowed to hate him back. You're allowed to pour all that hate into him that you would want to pour into yourself, that you'd want to condemn yourself with. No, you turn it on him because God says you're perfect. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He said there is no flaw in you. Read Song of Solomon. There's no flaw in you. Isn't that amazing? That's how he sees you. Beautiful. I could go on, but I'm going to let my papa come up. Come on, pops. We love you. <laughs> No weeping, warrior mode. Pulpit is on fire. God. Praise the Lord. Hey, that was awesome. I feel like screaming and yelling. I feel like running in the church. 
I feel like just freaking out. But I won't. But I want to. Praise the Lord. Kendra. All righty. So, let us begin towards the end. Um, <clears throat> so, let's go to the Bible again. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to do it in three parts. I'll do it as quickly as I can and give you information and all of that. The main thing tonight, of course, is that we want to get is how to have a relationship with the Bible. This is really important because most Christians do not know how to do that. How do you make the Bible the most exciting, interesting book where you just want to be in it every free minute of your day? And that's really how it is and how it should be. It should be the most exciting, amazing book filled with mysteries and feel, filled with secrets that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. You know, when you hear someone preach or talk who has an open Bible unlocked, and they speak to you from that place of revelation, it's almost like you've never heard the Bible before. You know, just like what Kendra was doing. I mean, it was exploding. I got like five different series out of it. You know what I'm saying? And she always does. There was one time I wrote down 27 series I got from one of Kendra's messages. And then I went and told her those 27 series, and she said, you can't preach those. They're mine. I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I did it with Bethany. I did it with Gavin. I did it with Kimberly. Everybody, you know, so, but they won't let me. But anyway, so... Let's read this scripture. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Put your hands on your heart and say, I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be opened and enlightened so that I will know what is the hope of my calling, what are the riches of his glory in his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards all of us who believe. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me go through a few of the Many amazing blessings that come when you have a relationship with the Bible that is truly alive. Some, just some of them, I'm just going to go through them. You're not going to be able to turn to them or anything like that, but I'll just go through them. Psalm 119, verse 107, the Word of God nourishes our soul. Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall cause them to be offended. Psalm 119.25, The word of the Lord strengthens me even in my bones. Psalm 119.37, The word of the Lord 
redirects my life in the paths of peace. Psalm 119, 147, the word of the Lord lifts my discouraged heart. Psalm 119, 103, the word of the Lord feeds my hungry spirit. Psalm 119, 100, the word of the Lord will lead me to the deep wells of wisdom. Psalm 119.75, the word of the Lord will give me assurance during times of pain. Psalm 119 verse 50, the word of the Lord will comfort me while I am in trouble. Proverbs 4.20-21, the word of the Lord is healing to all of my flesh and body. Everybody say that out loud. The word of the Lord is healing to my flesh and my body. Now, any of you that are sick, just put your hand on your body and just say, I receive healing through the word of the Lord for my body. That all the sicknesses, any diseases will begin to disappear out of my body. I claim perfect blood pressure, perfect digestive system, perfect breathing, perfect skin, perfect heart, lungs, thyroid, all the organs of my body, supernaturally working, young organs. Even when I'm an old person, I will have the organs of a young person in the name of Jesus. My eyes will see perfectly. My ears will hear perfectly. My brain will think perfectly. I will not lose my ability to remember and recall information in the name of Jesus. My bones of my body will always be strong. And at a hundred years old, I will still be strong and powerful in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. First uh, Peter 1, 2 and 3, the word of God regenerates my soul and brings it into deliverance. First Peter 1, 2, 3, and 4, the word of the Lord reveals God's divine nature and my inheritance. And then Psalm 4, 4, or Matthew 4, 4, the word of the Lord is my very food for my spirit life. Praise God. Isaiah 40, 29, it increases strength. John 15, 7, it answers prayers. Psalm 119, 90, it brings victory over sin into my life. John 8, 31 and 32, it will set me free. John 17, 12, it will reveal God's purposes for my life. Romans 10, 17, it will release spiritual growth. Romans 10, 17, it will increase faith. Psalm 1, 2, and 3, uh, there will be a release of divine fruit in my life. Matthew 4, 3, it will defeat the enemy. Joshua 1, 8, it will release success and prosperity. John 15, 3, it cleanses my soul. Psalm 119, 105, I will have guidance and direction. It will become the joy of my heart, and so on and so forth. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Look at three people and say, Hallelujah.
If you read Luke 24:33, it says, "Did not our hearts burn within us when he began to explain himself?" So I want to begin to talk to you about how to have a relationship with the word of God. Now, I was 17 and I was attracted to a young girl and I was following her home and she turned around at some point and said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Following you home." And she said, "Why are you following me home?" I love you. And, uh, and, and so she said, are you crazy? I said, yes, I'm crazy. And, and she said, do you have emotional problems? I said, yes, I have emotional problems. And she said, why are you following me? I love you. And, and, and she said, are you crazy? I said, yes, I, I'm crazy. And so she said, do you want to talk to me? I said, yes, I want to talk to you because I love you. And so she said, well, if you, if you read this book I'm going to give you here, then I'll talk to you. And so she gave me this beat-up book, torn-up book. So I took that book and sat down underneath a mesquite tree, and it opened up magically to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I had been forbidden to read the Bible by my mother. My mother told me as a little boy, really young, four or five, she told my brother, she told my sister, she told my little sister, she told us, she told us all, never read the Bible. Never read the Bible. If you read the Bible, you will go crazy, lose your mind, grow your hair out long, walk around the streets barefooted, playing a guitar, and talking to little green people. That's what she actually told me. So whenever I'd see a person talking to themselves or something, I'd say, they must read the Bible. Because Satan knew that I would never doubt the word of the person in my life who loved me the most and loved me the best. Because sometimes the most dangerous people in your life are good people, good people with bad information. Praise the Lord. Because you trust them. So I trusted my mother, and here I'm given this book, and I don't know what the book is. It opens up, and I began reading 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. By verse 5, I was weeping uncontrollably and got saved right on the spot. The power of the word of God. It's like God opened the meaning of those first five verses and they just devoured me, just devoured me completely. And, and I just caught on fire and then I could not stop reading the book. I could not stop reading it. And from that day till today, I cannot stop reading that book. That's 46 years now. Have not been able to stop reading that book every day. As, as much time as I can spend in it every day. And if I can't read it, I sometimes just have it going on in my head with a tape or you know from my phone. Because now I have a little thing and it plays it and nobody can hear it and I can hear it and you know, how are you doing? Praise the Lord. Matthew 5, 8. And I'm <laughs> and it's the greatest sleeping pill there is. My gosh. Unless you get to certain books and then they you get so excited that they just wake you up and you know, oh my God. You know, but anyway, then you're writing down messages. I have now three thousand two hundred and seventy-four unpreached messages that I have on my phone. I have over 2,000 books that I have there, some of them with outlines that I'm supposed to write, 
I don't know how any of this is going to happen. Maybe my children will find it, the phone, and you will do it. But I'm going to do everything I can. So, but I want you to understand that there is, a, there is another life that is so rich in God's Word and so powerful. So the most important thing is for you to have a relationship with the Word of God. If your heart does not burn when you read the Bible, and I'm going to give you a, a, a lesson here, if, if maybe all of you know it, is how to find the prophetic verses in the Bible that apply to you personally. So you get the Bible that matches your brain. Okay, Whatever that translation is, it'll match your brain. Check them all out. Read New American Standard. Read the Amplified. You know, read the King James. Read the New King James. Read the uh, Message. Read the Passion. Read whatever. Whatever matches your brain, you'll say, wow, that's, that really makes sense to me. But when you begin in Genesis, go all the way, and any time you read something that jumps out at you and is like a living thing, it's alive, you go, wow, something inside. That is called a prophetic verse. So if you go from Genesis to Revelation, you will end up with 300 to 700 prophetic verses, which the Holy Spirit has identified as your life verses. You are to memorize those verses and meditate on them and do all the other things we'll talk about. And as you do that, it will redefine who you are as a human and position you for your destiny. Praise the Lord. If you do not do that, then you're leaving, laying on the ground, mismanaging your destiny, your potential, and the calling God has on your life. Remember, without the Word of God in you, you cannot fulfill your destiny. Without the Word of God living inside of you, talking to you, giving you advice, giving you wisdom, telling you what to do and how to act, Without the Word of God inside of you, you cannot fulfill the call of God that's on your life because you cannot be the person that will match the calling God has put on you. The Word of God inside you will redefine your DNA and actually make you another person. You will become a different human being completely from the one you are today, as beautiful and wonderful as you are. As you start putting those prophetic verses in you, you will start changing. Your personality will change. Your attitudes will change. The way you act, talk, the choices you make, the way you behave in temptation, the way you behave when you're offended, the way you treat yourself, the way you handle money. What you do about everything will begin to totally reflect who Jesus is inside you. You will become a totally different person. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're already so amazing that you glow, then don't do anything else. Just sit there and glow till you die. But for those of you that don't have the glow, there's a little dullness to you still, and you need more of the glory in you coming out, then do that. Start with Genesis. Just read, 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 nothing, 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 read, 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 nothing, 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 read, read, read. That's how it works. Praise the Lord. That's just one little... One little nugget there. Okay. So, a burning heart is the end result of a totally open Bible. A burning heart. That's the result of your Bible being open. You read your Bible and there's no burning, nothing excited, nothing happening, no presence of God, no desire to worship. You read it and then you stop in the middle of reading it and you put your head back and you just start worshiping Jesus because of what you just read. 
touched you so deeply, did surgery in you and all like that quick, and now you're just worshiping God and praising God because you are literally reading an unlocked Bible. And this is the, this is the reaction that happens on the inside of you. It is so amazing, and you're just like freaking out. And if you have no hunger for the Word of God or anything like that, then you're in a dangerous place. And all you have to do to get out of that dangerous place is repent for mismanaging your relationship with God's Word. Praise the Lord. Let's begin at the very beginning, a very good place to start. If you don't have a Bible, get one. That's the first thing. Does anybody not own a Bible? Does anybody here tonight not own a Bible? Anybody? Praise the Lord. Everybody owns a Bible. Remember, don't read a Bible that you can't read. Read one that you can read. That's a very important part. So let's begin our little journey uh, on having a relationship with the Bible. The first thing to do with the Bible is when you get your Bible, get on your knees. Open the Bible and pray over the Bible. Say, God, I don't know what you're going to show me out of here, but I just want you to know that I want this Bible to, I want to have a relationship with this Bible because I know what's going to happen and the blessings and benefits that come from it. So I'm asking you to open the scriptures to me and illuminate it to me so that it becomes a living, alive book. That's the first thing you do. Just pray over it. Pray in the Holy Ghost over it. Just say, God, what, what do you want to show me out of the scriptures today that I need in my life to fulfill your calling for my life? Praise the Lord. Secondly, uh, out of Psalm 1, 2, and 3, you need to memorize the Bible. Notice that Jesus had the Bible memorized, all of it. The entire Bible, he had it memorized. He could quote the entire Bible. There are places, when he began to discuss this, uh, explain himself. He started at the beginning in, in, in the book of Genesis, and he explained himself all through the Old Testament to those men he was walking with, but he explained himself with revelation of those scriptures who he was. Then they, their eyes were open when they broke bread together or when they fellowshiped around the word, the word, breaking the word, reveal Jesus to them, which is the number one thing that happens when you have an open Bible, is it talks to you about Jesus. It explains Jesus and, and reveals to you who Jesus is in your life and who Jesus is to you. Now, this is not going to happen if you have the three curses, the curse of uh, contentment, the curse of indifference, those are two very dangerous curses, and the curse of pride. If you have those three curses, then all the things I talk about tonight do not apply to you because you are dead, you're sterile, and the Holy Spirit cannot impregnate you with the living word of God. Contentment with how your life is now, even though it may not be the way God wants it, is a curse not a blessing. To, not, to be indifferent is a curse. And to be proud and think you don't need any help is a curse. Praise the Lord. God resists the proud, but he gives grace 
to the humble. Okay? So let's talk about memorizing the Bible. Jesus memorized it. When the devil tempted him, he quoted Scripture to him. All through the Bible, Jesus is quoting Scripture to all the Pharisees and all those people because he was a rabbi, and he had to have the first five books at least totally memorized. And so when you went before, when you were a young boy, they would put you in, in school, and they would find out if you were gifted or not. After... Uh, by the time you got to be 13 years old, you would be given a test by the rabbis, and they would bring you before them, and they would ask you questions on the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, because your job by 13 was to have those five books totally memorized. You would come before the rabbi, and he'd say, what does Deuteronomy 12.6 say? You would quote it, and then they would say, what is this, the meaning of Deuteronomy 12.6? Then you were to give the meaning of that, what it means and all that. And after they tested you, if you failed, they would say to you, go home to your father. And that would mean you have failed. You cannot be an apprentice of mine as a, uh, uh, to become a rabbi, which is the number one dream of any parent, because the rabbis had all the money, had all the power, and had all the influence, and everybody wanted their children to be rabbis, because then they're in the elite class and have power over other people. And if you were a rabbi and you were the mother of a rabbi, you had it made. Pretty much you were, you were set up. And so, go home, which meant go learn your father's trade. You can't be me. So if a child passed, then they would say to, the rabbi would say to that child, come and eat my dust, or come and follow me, which meant, I believe you can be me. So let me mentor you. So Jesus did all that. By 12 years old, he was already smarter than all the rabbis. Do you understand what I'm saying? By 12 years old, Jesus knew everything. So he sat there and just unclothed them because he is God. He is the word of God, and he has all perfected virtues inside of him. So no matter what they said to him, he is perfect and is perfection itself, and he is perfect wisdom. So when they try to trap him to kill him uh, with the adulterous woman, Instead of and have the rocks in their hands ready to get him to kill him, he has wisdom beyond anything they can imagine. He says, Well, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. So if anybody throws a rock, they're saying, I'm sinless, which is blasphemy, and blasphemy is punishable by stoning. So they laid their rocks down and went home and freaked out because they have just met perfect wisdom. The word is the mind of God in little pieces that you've got to put inside of you. The word of God, every phrase of it that is alive, rhema, living, divine, applicable to your personal life, once you memorize it, you have put God's brain inside your head, and every thought of God is a medicine. So anytime you memorize a scripture, you have taken medicine. And anytime you memorize scripture, in an area where you're defeated, you have now began to dissolve the defeat by putting in the victory. If you have fear problems, memorize all the fear scriptures, 
And, uh, and then I'll teach you how to me meditate in a second. Memorize this, the, the, the fear scriptures, and wherever you attach the scripture, whatever is in there possessing that territory, and you take the scripture and apply it to that, it begins to drive out those enemies out of that area of your life until you no longer have that problem. Because the word of God has taken over that area. Praise the Lord. So some people try to dismiss memorizing the Bible because they say, well, I know this, the spirit of the truth, or I know, you know, I've heard sermons and things like that, but it doesn't really work like that. The Bible actually tells us to memorize the Bible. Memorize it, know where it's at. Have it in your mind for all areas of your life where you have issues and for all areas of your life where you're going to minister to people. Praise the Lord. Memorize the Bible. How many scriptures can you quote me now at this moment in your life? How many Bible verses can you quote me? Because saying it's not necessary, I know the general ideas and principles and laws of the scripture, but it doesn't work like that. There's a reason why you memorize the scripture, because the Holy Spirit needs to bring it up at certain times in your life, and he will put a, a spotlight in that scripture and bring it up. And then you're, you use that to defeat the enemy or the situation, not just some general idea. Ideas don't, don't do anything. What does something is divine thought. So the Bible is the mind of God, so it is divine thought. Divine thought heals any carnal ideas that are in your head. Praise the Lord. Look at three people and say, man, your hair is amazing. It's a whole different color than last week. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Three, you have to learn to meditate on the Word of God. Now, meditating, how many of you know how to worry? How many of you can worry? How many of you know how to worry? Because if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Okay? Worry is demonic thinking. Meditation is divine thinking. When you worry, you are meditating. Let's break that down. So let's say tomorrow they told you they're coming to get your house, take your car, take your wife, and take your children. So you're going to worry about that, right? You're going to see them coming in their cars with their dogs, chasing you through the woods, eating your children, and seeing all of that. You're going to have that going on in your head over and over. All night long, you will dream about it and think about it because you are meditating, except you're meditating on death instead of life. So meditating is taking a scripture that you really need to become real to you and thinking about all the positive things that could happen from that one verse becoming real in your life. Praise the Lord, whatever it may be. You memorize a scripture on forgiveness, and you realize, wow, I, you start imagining being able to forgive the people you want to kill. And pretty soon, the power of that scripture begins to be unleashed in your life. Now, remember that if you're a lazy Christian, you won't want to do these things because you're lazy, and laziness, again, is a curse. It's just the inability to move your behind and do things. Praise the Lord. Because being a Christian requires work, a lot of work. You have to manage your time 
and directed in a certain way. So meditation, the Bible says to meditate, let not the book of the law depart, but meditate therein day and night. And this is really important. You should have verses of scripture in you that you're thinking about all day long and that you go to bed quoting. You just quote them as you're going to bed. Right under your breath, you quote them. And they're like a medicine and they soothe you on the inside. And you're just quoting those verses, quoting them. What happens from that is that you become a minister within six months of beginning what I'm saying. Within six months, you will be ministering to people from the verses you have memorized and meditating on. God will bring you people with the specific problems of the verses you have memorized, and you will begin to begin to minister to people. And from that day till the day you die, you will never be out of people to minister to. Because the Bible in you, which is medicine, will attract the sick people with the problems you have the cure for. So the Holy Spirit will lead those people to you so that you can start ministering to them the medicine that's in you, that you have with revelation knowledge. And now you don't have to feel sorry for yourself because nobody likes you, nobody loves you, nobody cares about you. Now everybody's knocking on your door because you're amazing. The power of God flows through you, and you're so friendly because God has taken that terrible witchcraft that you had in your personality, and he sucked it out of there, and now just love and joy is flowing. And that wicked serpent tongue you have, where you so easily accuse people of horrible sins, and you know nothing about them, that's witchcraft. That's the tongue of a serpent. The word of God in there will cut that tongue right off and give you a healing tongue with grace and salt, and the spirit of life, and you will speak things. And when people see you coming, they will run to you instead of speaking in tongues and running off screaming and yelling. Praise the Lord. I didn't feel the love on that. Praise God. So I'm going to go over here and encourage myself for a bit. Praise God, Brother Ivan. That was awesome. Glory to Jesus. You pray over the Scripture. You memorize the scripture. You study the scripture. We're beginning a relationship now. Do you see that this is day and night? Day and night. The word of God is never away from your mind, never away from your lips, never away from your thoughts. Never. It becomes an obsession that creates deliverance for anyone that gets near you. Pretty soon you are so full of life and full of love and goodness and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and wisdom and answers and solutions that you are no longer able to participate in the natural sins of the flesh. You cannot actually enjoy sin anymore because your spirit has been lifted to another place. You can't talk the same, think the same, act the same, or treat people the same because the living word of God is inside you in the most powerful way. It has actually changed your ability to how you live and walk in this world. Praise God. Give somebody a high five and say, wow, I really needed that. 2 Timothy 2.15, study the Bible. So this is a whole different thing. In order to have a relationship, you've got to study the Bible. And studying the Bible is not just 
reading the Bible. It's actually studying the Bible. It's finding the themes that you most need, and then you find someone who can mentor you in studying the Bible because you have to become a scholar of the Bible. Each one of you has to become a doctor of the Bible. You need to learn everything there is to learn about the Bible till the day you die. You will do this till the day you die. You are studying. Everything you study and learn equips you to heal something. So the Word of God then becomes your source of ministry to the rest of the world that you're going to meet. Because now you have learned how to deliver people from demons. So now when people with demons come near you, you now know how to get rid of the demons in the people. And if you pray for people and they get delivered from demons, they're going to tell somebody else with demons, and those people are going to come. Do you hear what I'm saying? So all that's happening is God is equipping you, building you up, and, and mentoring you, and training you to become someone that is a blessing to other people instead of sitting at home feeling sorry for yourself because of all your pains and aches and things like that. Praise the Lord. So this is a very important thing, studying the Bible, learning how to study the Bible. And, and there's no excuse because all you have to do is go to YouTube and push in how to study the Bible. And it's all there. And you can do it at home. Oh, that's how you do it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, really? Wow, I didn't know that. Praise God. There you go. Any question you have is at your fingertips. Pretty, pretty cool. But if you don't study the Bible, if all you do is go to church and listen to preaching, you are mismanaging your Christianity. There's no other way to say it. You're mismanaging it. It is not the job of your pastor to treat you like a little child all your life and have to spoon-feed you. Pastors give you the inspiration and unction, and you gather together as a church and become an army to dismantle the principalities and powers of the city of Utopia and get all the lost people in here. But you have to become a scholar of the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah 15, 16, I found your word and ate it and became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. You have to eat the word of God. Eating the word of God is chewing it and then swallowing it, digesting it, and then let it all the vitamins and minerals go into your body, and it becomes an alive, living thing. Praise God for that. Eat the word of God. Praise the Lord. Look at John 15, verse 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then you have speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. This is very beautiful because singing the Bible is a relational thing. And you should sing the Bible. You should sing Scripture, even if you're the worst singer in the world. Remember that if you are a croaker, a person that sounds like a dead, dying animal when you sing, God is not offended. Because before those notes get to him, the angels will adjust them. And by the time they get to him, it's just going to sound like Pavarotti singing. You know, or Andre Bucelli or something. I mean, or whatever, whoever you like. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it, because it's the heart God hears, not the tone. You could be tone deaf, 
but your songs could be the most beautiful songs. And especially if you're singing to God his own word. Because remember, one of the major reasons to have the Bible inside you and meditate on the Bible and break it to pieces and let the Bible become a living word is because when God comes to you, he is looking for something to partner with. He is not going to partner with you. He's going to partner with himself in you. And the word of God is God inside you. So God comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and he says, there I am, because God can only fully trust himself. He cannot trust you, but he can trust himself in you. The more of him you have in you, the more that he can trust in you, and the more that he can bless you. So he says, there I am, and he partners with himself, he answers himself and gives you the reward of the answer. Somebody say, holla, holla. But if he comes and he says, I'm nowhere inside this person. They're just throwing out their own opinions. I can't partner with any of that. But I can partner with myself. I can trust myself. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that the word of God actually manifests one powerful thing, Christ formed inside you. So as you study the Bible, Jesus is being formed on the inside of you. Jesus is being formed on the inside of you. Now all the things that people hate about you leave. And Jesus takes over those areas and people say, what happened to you? You were such a witch before. In other words, that rhyme. Now you're the sweetest, kindest, most genuine human being. Well, I had an encounter with Jesus. Praise God. Or you can be this bully of a man, this tyrant, whatever, and the word of God gets in you and kindness comes in, compassion comes in, gentleness comes in, goodness comes in. All these beautiful things begin to happen because you have a living, active relationship with God's word. Praise the Lord. So sing the word of God, and if the only place you feel comfortable is the shower, then go in there for two or three hours at a time and just stay in there singing it. Try it, because it will challenge you, especially if you're the kind of person that feels that singing is some kind, somehow effeminate. Just sing like a man. Oh, I love the Bible. As long as nobody can hear it, you're okay. One of the really important things is that when you are reading your Bible, you have a journal, a notebook, something to write what God is telling you. When you go to church and you're listening to somebody preach, you need to have ready to write down what it is that God is going to speak to you because out of one sermon, you may only get three rhema words directly from the Holy Spirit to you. And you will write those things down, go home and put them in your, in your journal, memorize them because that's God speaking to you and he told you that and this is going to lead you and guide you. And it's going to give you great power, great victory, and great deliverance in your life. So write down the word of God. You'll find that as you start writing it, it will become almost supernatural to you. And it'll almost be like God talking to you, just writing, 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 writing. Now, I handwrite book, my books. I just handwrite them. I'm just, I just am finishing. Actually, I'll finish it tomorrow, uh, Letters from God for Parents. 
And, and I had already finished the whole book. And then the Holy Spirit told me, throw it away and redo it. So I, have, I finished the entire book in 10 days because the flow was there. I didn't have the flow before. I was just doing it out of obedience. And the Holy Spirit says, good, I'm glad you obeyed me. Now throw that away and let me flow. I said, okay. And man, am I happy. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's going to be, you're going to love it. You parents are going to love it. And, uh, you know, and I don't say that with pride. I really don't. Honestly, I don't. I, I just know when something is anointed and I can feel it. You know, I can just feel it. You can feel the anointing. You can tell when God is speaking to you and you're writing. And, you know, I'm writing for four hours every day. Just, I mean, I've got pain everywhere. I just, but I just felt like I really needed to do it. So, <laughs> praise God. Um, so, writing the word, the, I'm showing you how to have a relationship with the Bible. Remember, this is not for lazy people who just want to go hear a sermon and never do anything about it. Never. Never obey it. Never do anything. Just hear it, clap their hands, say hallelujah, and just go home and go live their lives and do whatever. This is not for people like that. This is for people who want a relationship with God through his word which you are, because you wouldn't be here if you weren't. Praise the Lord. So give yourself a hand. Come on, clap your hands. Hey, I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I came to church. Praise the Lord. And Laura told me I could preach as long as I wanted. So praise God. Hallelujah. The other thing that makes the Bible alive is sharing what God tells you from the Bible. Kendra preached today, and what did she preach? What God spoke to her from the Bible, and wasn't it great? There was some serious revelation in what she was saying. She didn't get that from somebody else's sermon or reading somebody else's book. I have only preached one sermon that was not mine in my entire 46 years, one time. And I felt so terrible afterwards. I said, I'll never do that again. But it was on the covenant, and it was the steps of the covenant, I had read it, and I said, well, that's pretty cool. And then I didn't. But after I did it, I said, hmm, I don't think you want me to do that. So I didn't do it again. So I haven't done it so far. Praise God. But share what God gives you, because if you share it, it changes the power of it. It makes it very powerful. Fellowship and koinonia makes the word of God that he shared with you very powerful, especially when you watch it affect the person you're sharing it with. Praise God. Now, now many times, and I don't, I don't say many times, but a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of times, my wife, when she's sharing with me the scripture, she's got revelation from everywhere, and it's just like I am exploding, literally exploding from just hearing her talk about what God is showing her and telling her. It's so powerful. Kendra will talk to me about the word all the time. Bethany will talk to me about the word. Gavin will talk to me about the word. Uh, Abby will talk to me about the word all the time. And it's very, very powerful. I'm taking Abby with me quite a bit now, and she was with me in Seattle, and she, she hadn't preached in a while. And I said, well, you're going to preach, you know? And she said, oh, okay, great, great. And she did such an amazing job. It was amazing. And she was just on fire. 
It's like she never had stopped. But you understand that the Word of God is inside there, ready to explode, and when you share it, it catches you on fire, and the other people that are listening to it, they catch on fire. Pretty soon you've got a whole family full of the Word of God because you shared it. A pastor friend of mine, when Letters of God first came out, he bought 14 boxes. And then he came back and bought 400 books after that. He said that he brought his entire family together for like Thanksgiving or one of the holidays, and he had letters from God, but he didn't tell them. He said there were all the backsliders were there. His mother was backslidden. All these different people were backslidden. And he said, all he did is I brought you here today because I want to give you a gift. He said, I'm going to read you your birthday. And I'm telling you what he told me. (laughs) He started reading their birthdays, and the whole place broke out in weeping. Everybody was weeping. His mother got saved. All the, everybody got saved. They're all weeping. They're all crying. The backsliders are coming back because of, uh, of, the, of, the, of the pastor having so much faith in it that when he read them their, their birthday letter, they just lit up. It just changed their life. Well, that's not any human being. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit on something. And it's so powerful. And that's the power of sharing it. Next, ask God to give you a love for the Word of God. Ask God to give you love for His Word. Say it with your mouth. I love the Word of God. Let's all say it. Say it a lot. Just start saying it. Turn to every person near you and say, I want to tell you something. I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. What greater gift can you give your children than a love for the Word of God? Praise the Lord. All of these things are very very important. And then finally on this, uh, two more things. Praise the Word of God. David says everywhere, I praise your Word for all the afflictions that it has delivered me from. Your Word has been my my comfort and my joy. Your word. He just praises the word of God. Praise God. Thank you, God, for the word. Praise you for your word because you have honored your word above your name. Praising the word makes the word very personal to you and very powerful and very important. And the last two things is you honor the word of God. How? By doing the word of God. That's how you do it. Praise the Lord. Now, let's, let me give you these things that are really important. The Word of God is like milk. You need it. The Word of God is a sword. The Word of God is a hammer. The Word of God is a mirror. The Word of God is a seed. The Word of God is a lamp. The Word of God is a light. The Word of God is water. The Word of God is gold. The Word of God is honey. The Word of God is like an anchor. The Word of God is like fire in your bones. The Word of God is like rain. Praise the Lord. Do you see the wonderful benefits of having a relationship with God's Word and becoming a real Christian? 
I'm not sure you're a real Christian if you don't have a relationship with God's Word because you are almost a mutant of some type. Because if only 17% of Christians have a biblical worldview, based on the Barna thing I told you, and I hope you looked it up, but 17% of people have a worldview from the Bible. And then he lists all the places Christians have their worldview from. We're talking the most evil, dark places that they get their ideas. Modernism and and all kinds of communism and <laughs> socialism and, and uh, you know, praise God. Just socialism is of the devil. I curse it. I curse it in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm getting off right now. I can feel it. I'm going off right now. But you know what? I don't care. I just curse socialism. I curse communism. And I curse it all in the name of Jesus. It's all of the devil. None of it is of God. And it all leads to bondage and slavery. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm getting in the flesh right now. I can feel it. But I'm telling you right now that, that the, a country cannot prosper unless the individuals in that country believe they can personally own property. And they can personally... Oh, man, I'm getting in the flesh. And they can personally... Anyway, hallelujah. You got to be able to make a living out of your own brain. That's the way God made you. And then give the money away if you want. But it's free will. You don't have to do it. But you can't be forced to do something for lazy people that won't work. Woo, I'm getting in the flesh right now. Praise God. All right, let's go to the last part to close it down. And I want you to think about what I'm saying. Um. The last point tonight is that you have to have a promise-led life. Your life has to be led every day by promises. Praise the Lord. Promises. If you have no promises, then you're not going to be led by the Word of God. You'll be led by fear, doubt, and questions. Okay? So let me run by some promises for this year. Are you ready? Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Everybody's saying, that's going to be my year. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment shall fall to the ground flat and powerless. Everybody say, I received that for myself. <laughs> Romans 8, 37, in Jesus you will be more than a conqueror this year. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Not height, not depth, not principalities, not powers, not things present, not things to come. Not angels, not demons, not people, not circumstances, not money, not hate, not revenge. Nothing shall separate you from the wonderful love of God this year. Praise God. Everybody say it. I received that for myself. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 8, 28. God will work all things together for your good because you love him and you're called according to his purpose. Praise God. Look at three people and say, that's what I'm talking about. You have a promise for every day. Make that promise the thing that leads you. Proverbs 4, 20. Attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all of their flesh. Philippians 1.6, He that began a good work in you shall also finish it. Everybody say, yes, God, you're going to finish. Come on, lift your hand, say, God, you're going to finish. 
the work that you have started in my life. I will not die incomplete. Say it, I will not die incomplete. What you started in my life, you will finish. On that day that you call me, God, on that day that you saved me, whoo, praise God, you will finish what you have started. In spite of me, God, you will finish that. Come on, tell somebody. Praise God, I got your weeping thing going on. My gosh, I hate that. Okay, no, I'm just, just kidding. Babe. Psalm 84, 11. The Lord is your sun and shield. He will give you grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from you. Everybody say it out loud. No good thing will God withhold from me. This year, in my job, in my business, in my relationships, and in my health. Come on, everybody, say it. No good thing will God withhold from me. Everybody say it out loud. Praise God. Genesis 26, 12. Said Genesis 26 12. I have sown one seed, but it will come back 100 times what I have sown. Deuteronomy 1:11 said, This year I will get back 1,000 times more than what I have sowed out into other people and into the world. Come on, say it 1,000 times more. Say it again 1,000 times more. What is happening right now inside you? Your spirit is being lifted because of the word of God and the promises of the word of God. Remember, the more physically you get involved in this, the more your spirit gets ignited and your soul gets ignited. Physical participation like shouting, screaming, yelling, running, and jumping releases faith in your life, and it causes things to become very exciting. So you have to be careful not to be too sedated when you're in the midst of the Word of God. A little shouting, a little screaming, a little amen, a little praising God, a little hallelujah, a little standing up, a little waving your hand, that's for me, those kind of things could help you absorb what God is trying to send out there. Staring and intellectually looking is okay, but just not all the time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Remember that when you go to football games, you don't just sit on your behind, especially if your child is playing and the referee calls a bad call on your child. I have seen Christians lose their Christianity over that. My wife is one of them. She's out there on the thing, out there, what are you doing? I said, get it. Because that's the way some of you are. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things can abound to every good work. Look at three people and say, that one is for me. Praise God. A Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Say it out loud. The winter is over. And the summer has become. The time of the singing of the birds is here. The blossoms are coming. The fruit is coming. The rivers are flowing. Woo! There is life everywhere, and the harvest time is coming to my house. Everybody said, harvest time is coming to my house. Say it real loud. The drought 
is over. Everybody say it. The drought is over. Praise God. How many years do you want it to be over? Declare it right now. How many years of a droughtless life do you want to live? I'm claiming every year till I die. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So, uh, Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord is watching over his word to bring it to pass on your behalf. Say it out loud. Lord, you're watching over the word to bring it to pass in my life in every area. Have you not heard, have you not known that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not faint? Or grow weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and weary, and to him who has no might, he increases strength, causing it to multiply and making it to abound. Praise God Almighty. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, praise God, and look for hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle, praise God, and they shall soar. They shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint, and never become tired. Praise the Lord. Everybody say hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to live a promise-led life. Well, you can understand the dangers of not having the Word of God in front of you, in your ears, and in your mouth. Let not the Word of the Lord depart out of your mouth. You have to speak it to release it. Faith will grow wherever your faith is. It will start growing. And the Word of God will begin to change things as you send the energy and powers of that Word into the atmosphere. It may take one day. It may take 20 years. But what did Abraham do? Romans 4, 18 through 22. What did he do? Abraham did not waver in unbelief at the promise but was persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Praise God. Look at three people and say, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. Well, give somebody a high five. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I want to mention one last thing to you. And that is on that table, I have the pictures of Suseli. As a matter of fact, can, can you go get me those pictures there, sir? On the table right there? Yeah, right there on that table. Joe, yeah, there's Joe. Praise God, he came, came there, out of there. Praise the Lord. Yeah, just bring him over here, Joe, so I can show him the picture of Suseli. Those, that's, that's the pictures. For those of you that want to help with Suseli, I'm asking for a 50 bucks a month. And... Uh, so it's Suseli's pictures right there. So you get to take that with you and, and then pray for her. It gives a little bit of the story. And uh, then we'll get, have videos and send them here, and she'll be thanking you. and Whatever, you know, stuff like that. But she's there, and uh, we want to complete the whole package for her. So $1,500 pays for her room and her food. And, and she has a real nice room right in the in the uh, campus there, 
And, uh, of course, you know, she's going to have to eat food. So praise the Lord. So that's what it costs there. So I have uh, three people this morning, and then the other 10 that I have, and I'm, I'm trying to get a total of 30 people that'll do $50 a month. So if you can, you can do any amount you want. I mean, you can do $5, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, it's there. And uh, if you're going to do it, you fill that card out on both sides, or if you want to do it through Pastor Robert, just make sure you let him know it's for that, and then he'll designate that as well. So you can do it either way, but get the picture if you're interested in helping with that. Praise the Lord. And I think we've done enough for today. Praise the Lord. I love you all, and that's all I'm going to do. Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. God bless you. Pastor Robert is coming up. And he'll take over from here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Praise God. Okay, so you got all that instructions about Suseli. And a couple of you have asked me, can you just do it in the offering, you know, like every month uh, and do it to the water hole or whatever? That's fine. Or you can do it, send it to them. It doesn't make any difference. Just note it. On if, you're, if you put it in a, uh, through the water hole, through the church, just note on there, this is for Suseli, so we catch it in the office and going to do it that way. So praise the Lord. We make all that work out. Amen. So uh, ushers, help me. Let's just take up an offering tonight and uh, just a, a general offering for uh, to bless Brother Ivan and Kendra and their family and everything going on. So glory to God. You know, it's pretty amazing to get a... Uh, a child off the street like Suseli, and then she's going to be an aeronautical engineer. Right? Most of the time, people just believe them to be able to go, you know, maybe be a housewife. Not that there's anything wrong with being a housewife, but I'm just saying that is outer galactic to go all the way to there. So, praise the Lord. It's so cool to see her speaking English in that video, you know? That's one of the things that just blows my mind now that you just go down there, these children that we've been with for so long. and trying to communicate with them in Spanish or anything like that. Now they're just speaking English, and they say, Hi, Pastor Robert, how are you? And I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. We love you. And I'm like, holy moly. It's another person. <laughs> so anyway, praise the Lord. Put your hand on your offering. Let's pray. Father, I just declare right now in the Jesus' name, Lord, that we are the most prosperous people on the face of the earth. I declare, Lord God, that you prosper everything, according to Psalms 1, that our hands touch. I declare businesses are blessed. Lord God, savings accounts are blessed. Lord, work is blessed. Lord, I just declare that everything that we do prospers and turns over so we can continue to just sow and sow and give and give and be prosperous and blessers, Lord God, in life. So I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> so praise God. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I guess I can pray about gaining your hour back. I wasn't totally in agreement with you on one thing tonight, Brother Ivan. You quoted the Song of Solomon. You said the winter's over and summer has come. Well, I'd, I'd like to have a little spring. You know, when you say summer around here, that, that's pretty severe. So I, I quoted it a little different. You know, I took the Robert Richards translation. I said, the winter is over and spring has come. And I hear the birds, not the hot sun beating down on my head. So praise the Lord. So stand up. Grab that person standing beside you. Now, Lord, I just declare that these meetings have put a fire inside of us that burns that is never going to quit. Lord, you spoke to us at the first of the year that this was a time that we were to be honoring your word. 
and to honor it, Lord God, and to open up that Bible and to have a, a knowing that you were going to speak to us. So I declare, Lord, as everybody goes through the plan, they're going to be reading the plan, but they're going to be continuing to read that the revelation begins to leap off, and Lord, it changes us. I declare that, Lord, that Living Waters Church is not only a giving church, but we're going to be a word-filled church, that people know that we're the crazy Bible church, that, that people will memorize scriptures and can quote more scriptures than anybody's ever seen. I declare, Lord God, that the, the, the revelation flows out of us to everybody we work with, everybody we're around, everywhere everybody we go drink coffee with, everything that goes on, the word just leaps off of our tongue into the ears of the people and changes their lives instantly before us. I thank you, Lord, that your word brings conviction and as we speak the word, Lord, it's just in a, it's in such love and it's in such grace that people hear it and they're just convicted and then their glory falls upon them, Lord. And this whole town, this whole valley, all these valleys around us, Lord God, begin to change because of your word. And so, Lord, I praise you for that and I thank you for it. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.